Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends, welcome to the Words of Jesus series brought to you by Think Red Ink Ministries in Pytown, New Mexico. Hello, I'm Don Harris. I'm excited to share this series on the words of Jesus with you. This book includes the story of Jesus, his life, his friends, his ministry, as recorded in the four Gospels. We're going to see how Jesus examines and instructs and corrects. We all need to be examined a little and instructed a little and perhaps corrected a lot. We're starting with chapter 6. Um, we have... Uh, enjoyed the series all the way through. If you have not been a part of the series, um, we want you to know that those kind of things are made available to you through thinkredink.com. And all you have to do is write to me, Don, at thinkredink.com, and I'll be glad to put you in touch with whatever you need to um, catch up on the series or whatever else you need. We have all kinds of products available for you. Uh, there at uh, Think Red Ink Ministries. And one thing that is peculiar about what we do is, is we never charge for ministry. We never charge for materials. All right. Uh, chapter 6 of this little book is the story of Jesus changing water into wine. Jesus and his disciples, also Mary, his mother, were guests at a wedding in Cana of Galilee after he had gathered the first of his disciples. When it was time to serve wine to the wedding guest, Mary said to Jesus, They have no wine. And Jesus replied, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Mary said to the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Designating the six water pots of stone, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the water pots with water. When they were filled, Jesus instructed the servants, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. When it was carried to the ruler of the feast, it was wine. The disciples, seeing this manifestation of the glory of God, of glory of Jesus, believed on him. Uh, there's a lot of things about this story that are going to be worthwhile for us to study, look at, uh, consider. And um, I guess we'll just take them in order. Um, I think that it's interesting that uh, Jesus uh, went another direction than I think we would have if, if we were writing the story. And I, many times I've heard the story reiterated um, and th this part just seems to be left out. And I don't know if it's because people don't understand it. Uh, they can't necessarily apply it. Um, I, I don't know why it's avoided, but um, I don't know that it should be. Uh, I think Jesus was very clear when he was talking about um, his disciples remembering and recording for posterity, his life. And one of the things that he said that he would do to and for his disciples uh, 
was that he would give them uh, a supernatural ability, I can assume it's supernatural, to remember all things. He said that uh, I'm going to I'm going to help you remember all things. And I think that's exactly what's going on. They're remembering what was said. Now, the thing that just doesn't seem to fit was that, uh, well, let's just face it, uh, Mary was somewhat distressed. Uh, we don't know who this wedding necessarily was, but we can assume that it was close to uh, Mary and Joseph's family. Um, and c- because Mary felt some responsibility here, um, like she was helping with this wedding, and she was distressed because um, evidently the uh, person that's holding the wedding, or the mother, or the father, or wh- whomever, um, was distressed because they had run out of wine. Uh, she came to Jesus and said, we have no wine. Now, you would think that with our modern day understanding of who Jesus was, that he would just be so concerned. I imagine there's certain denominations that would have expected him to say, good, they don't need no wine. Uh, Then there are others who would think that... uh, he would um, uh, just immediately kowtow to his mother's wishes um, and uh, and fill the need. Um, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of opinions that we would naturally have about the way Jesus would have handled this situation, but this particular answer that he gave her was a little off-center of, of all of the... Um, uh, uh, supposed or proposed uh, answers that he would have given. And uh, what was the answer? Woman. Now that in itself, I mean, the very first word is really kind of strange, isn't it? Uh, those of you who saw the beginning of the series saw that um, uh, we actually were witnessing uh, what uh, I deemed as uh, Jesus's self-celebrating of his own bar mitzvah, uh, where he was, as the bar mitzvah requires, uh, coming out from under the authority. And I I said that cautiously because I think that uh, a child never really comes out from under the authority of either parent. Uh, to one degree or another, though, a child, when he's below you know, 12 years and younger, um, is uh, essentially subject to his mother's wishes. And uh, then as he bar mitzvahs, he goes under his father's authority and um, essentially uh, starts to build his life in such a way that uh, uh, determines the rest of his life, his his vocation and most everything about him. And a young man goes under his father to learn those kinds of things. Well, um, at that particular point, um, I think 
perhaps it was settled at least within Christ that uh, this wasn't mommy anymore. Um, and uh, we find this even at the cross. You find that he, because he moved essentially out from under the fleshly element that most all humans live under and moved into that spiritual category, I think that it's coming out here as well. Um, I don't know why he would choose uh, a term like woman to refer to his mother other than what I'm saying now. And I can't say that I'm any kind of authority. I wasn't there. Uh, I've never had the Lord uh, tell me (laughs) anything uh, about this. It's not as though I'm giving you some revelation that I've had. I'm just trying to figure out why he says what he says, which is a lot of what I do. And, um, And he says, woman, what have I to do with you? Now, not only has he separated himself Uh, from that familial tie by saying mother or woman, um, or at least woman instead of mother. Um, But he goes on to say that you have concerns that are not mine. Now, um, I know that... uh, Some people have a a helpful attitude, a helpful spirit, if you will, about them, and that when somebody needs something, they feel, you know, obligated as if it is their own duty, as if it is their own responsibility to help. Um, And frankly, this is found in women a lot more than it is men. Uh, Men's attitude about a lot of these things is, well, you should have thought of that to begin with. And, uh, you know, who planned this wedding anyway? Um, But um, a a woman tends to take on the responsibility like, surely you can help. Now, through my life, I've been involved in a lot of uh, um, different industries and have um, uh, expertise in areas of electronics and mechanics and Wow, I mean, I I don't know. I I just that's the kind of life I lived, and so I was involved in a lot of things. And um, people who know me, um, when I get around somebody that has a particular problem, uh, I'll have a friend somewhere say, "Hey, he can fix it." Uh, and I think that perhaps was her attitude about this wine thing. Um, I don't know what she was expecting him to do. I don't know. Uh, Maybe she didn't even know. Uh, As a matter of fact, um, her instructions to her friends there was, um, look, if you you want this to work out, you got the right guy on the job. Uh, he, he, He can make things happen just the way they need to happen, but you need to listen to him and do what he says to do. Um, I was telling you before that I think uh, Mary remained in a in a quandary, in a questioning attitude for much longer than the original um, conception of Christ. I know, you know, she pondered a lot of things in her heart, the Bible says, but um, 
I, th- I think that um, we saw uh, in Mary a, a resignation, so to speak, that um, this was not her boy. Now, let me explain what I mean. Um, do you remember the story, uh, uh, Hannah? Was it Hannah that had, uh, was uh, the mother of Samuel? Um, her husband found her praying one time and um, he says what are you praying for and she says well I'm praying that I'd have a child and um, because it's it was very important and still is important to a woman uh, to to bear children but she made a promise to the Lord that if you give me this child I'll give him back there is such a thing as a mother's love that can be so much so and her relationship with God be such that she her desire for this child is for that child to please God in every way. It can even be her goal to have this child fall under the authority of God more so than her own. Now, I'm telling you, in my experience, which is, I mean, it's it's one person's, you know, 60-some-odd years of one person's life. I realize I don't know everything here, but it's been my experience that this is very, very rare. The The Bible uses a a descriptive term of um, somebody you don't want to fool with <laughs> as uh, a she-bear or a bear robbed of her whelps. And this is, uh, this is a very common thing if you've uh, done any counseling or dealt with people at all, uh, with women in particular, that uh, you can pretty much get away with all kinds of of uh, of misuse and abuse in a woman's life, but when you mess with her kids, <laughs> you're messing you're messing with your own life, and I understand that. However, that protective part of the love she has for her children needs to be removed from her possessive attitude toward her children that um, I think that it is rare that uh, we see this attitude as in Mary that this is not my son. This, this boy belongs to the God that I serve, um, which is really a beautiful thing and a hugely unselfish thing for her to, to do. Um, However, I want you to know that through the centuries, through through the centuries of time, uh, Mary has always been known as the mother of Jesus. She didn't lose anything here. Uh, She didn't give up something. She... She made a gift 
of herself as much as her son. And when, when it comes to this um, uh, giving, this giving over, it's, it's that particular thing that I'm talking about that is just extremely rare. As time went on in Mary's life, she started more and more to realize that this is the Son of God. I don't think that I don't think that was fully realized by her when she was first impregnated, when she first received this news from the angel. Uh, I don't think that it that it really became a full part of her life. And you have to understand that even at 12 years old, she was uh, she could not understand his attitude about I have to be about my father's business. It was just not set in her head that Jehovah God was his father. And I think it started to. And then we're talking about somewhere around, well, this is like, what, 18 years later at this wedding. I think that it had occurred to her. And I don't think she took exception to being called woman. I don't think that she was surprised that Jesus' attitude about this situation is, look, what's important to you is not necessarily important to me. He explained to her, um, if we're not careful here, you're going to make me into a showpiece and my time has not yet come. She also knew that this boy obviously exemplified in in the prior 18 years between the time that they found him in the temple until now, he obviously showed to her and her husband and indeed to the world that he was just not like every other child. And one thing that she had learned through this whole experience here was that it is going to require, if, if you want this guy, her son, to fix this situation, then you're going to have to do what he says to do. Now, I was saying before that um, there was a, uh, I think that there's a change that it took place in her and in him way back when he was 12 years old, it is being reiterated here and it is reiterated one more time, or at least the situation is laid out for us one more time. If you remember, at the crucifixion, he looked at his brother and said, Behold thy mother. Woman, behold thy son. You remember this? Even though he had occupied this, this place of spiritual authority and spiritual kinship regarding Jehovah as his God, he was not negligent of the fact that he was leaving his mother on the earth 
with no one to take care of her. Joseph had long been gone, you remember? And so he placed, though he was the firstborn son, he placed a brother in charge of his mother. Still called her woman. And when he referred to this the, the brother and the mother, he said, Behold thy mother. Now, I, I can see that in there. Can you see that? Uh, there was a separation that, went, that took place in her mind and in his mind when he started his ministry on this earth. Now, I don't know that he appreciated so much uh, this being employed to be the... Uh, uh, the package store. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend. Um, I'm I'm just trying to put pants on this scripture. I just don't think that uh, he appreciated being put in charge of the booze for the wedding, and uh, and so he made the comment that his hour had not yet come, and then then Mary. She wasn't even daunted by this phrase. Wasn't even daunted by his reluctance. Uh, calling her woman didn't seem to be a big deal. Um, it, she took everything in stride like she was just a part of what's going on here. That uh, she hadn't overstepped any bounds or anything. I've heard it preached, you know, that she, that she did. I don't know that she did. Because she continued, and uh, and you know, uh, it's just it. I just think that if we're not careful, we can read more into this than than perhaps we should. You may think that I have done so already, but um, nevertheless, we have Mary making the comment to him uh, to the people there about him. Whatever he says to do, do it. Now. I cannot think of any scripture about Jesus as our king, as our ruler, as our Lord, as our boss that is more pertinent or more necessary than what she actually said that day. I can't imagine there being anything more important in your life and in your thought than... This thing, that whatever he says to do, we should do it. If you want him involved in what you're doing, then you should do whatever he says to do. He asked his disciples one time. I believe it was his disciples, yes. He says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Now, I've, I've told people before, we're going to cover that, that little bit of red ink in the scriptures, and I'll probably say it there too because it's so poignant. It, it, it just pretty much lays out this idea, and, and the idea is for us to, is to apply these things to our life, is it not? So if you've got uh, your boss walks up and you're at your desk working, and he lays his hand on his shoulder and bends down and whispers in your ear and says, 
Why do you call me boss and not do what I say? <laughs> do you think um, that everything's fine with your job at that point? Do you think that your boss is pleased with you? Or do you think that there is an impending peak slip somewhere that is going to be filled out and you're going to be looking for a job? It is obvious that your boss is not pleased with whatever it is that you're doing. Why would he ask such a question? I think that the key is, you know, to, to engaging our God, our Lord Jesus, the power of heaven in our lives is contained in this very thing she told those people that day. Whatever he says to you, do it. If you do, everything's going to be fine. I know people that uh, essentially ignore most everything that the scriptures tells us to do. Um, it, it talks about uh, uh, keeping the commandments. It talks about um, uh, he, him even offering us the feast of the Lord. Us, us unworthy Gentiles are, are privileged to be able to keep the feast of the Lord. We don't do that. We keep our own feasts. We keep, we keep our own feasts. And we're not, we're not doing what he says to do. We're not living like he says to live. It's not whatever he says to do, do it. It's not mimicking Christ. It's not being a, a little Christ. It's not um, uh, him showing in our lives to the world. It's us doing whatever we want to do and relying on forgiveness and what we mistakenly call grace to get us through. Friend, that's not whatever he says to you, do it. That is, that is not practicing that at all. That is whatever you want to do, do it. He'll forgive you. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll forgive you and everything will be fine. There won't be any wine. There won't be any miracle. There won't be any intervention. But everything will be fine. There's people who say, oh, I don't think you, that works have anything to do with salvation, but I think that works will, will determine whether or not we have eternal rewards or crowns or some other idea that they have in their head that is going to be a reward to people who are obedient. Uh, I don't know why any, any thinking person can read the scriptures and think that you can live any way you want to live and everything's going to be okay. No. It's whatever he says to do, do it. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.